Welcome to the Natural Wisdom Podcast. I'm Christine Backus, your host, and it is Saturday, March 18th, 2023, and this is episode 40 of the podcast. And today I want to talk about this, both the big picture, again, of this time, this fascinating time that we're in in the world right now, as well as the equinox tomorrow and the Aries new moon on Monday. And I'll give you exact times and everything. And as you know, I like to kind of start big and then dive down a little bit more deeply. And I want to end today also with just some thoughts on what responsibility we can take in this time again. Uh, So let me just say that in a, we're in the seven year period of change. And of course, you know, change comes all the time. But when we look at when we use astrology and the movement of the planets as indicators of timing, we see that we're in what you can really only call it an epic time. It's just a huge time of transition. And in a way, we're in a process of several big ages, as predicted by many different cultures, turning over, whether you're thinking about the end of the Kali Yuga in the Hindu um, realm, or you're thinking about the Mayan calendar that ended in 2012. But of course, that's a very short, we're only 10 years away from that, a decade away from that. And that's a very short time period when you're talking about 26,000 year cycles. And of course, this coming into the age of Aquarius is the one that we as uh, particularly tropical astrologers talk about the most and is made popular, for instance, by the song from the late 60s about the dawning of the age of Aquarius, which is a kind of fun thing to go back and listen to now and I believe is becoming popular again for that very same reason. So what I see in at least the the circles I travel in, which of course are unique to me, is there's a lot of energy and attention and curiosity about this age of Aquarius. And there's a lot of energy, attention, and curiosity about this big transitional time we're in, which for most of us probably feels very tumultuous change is almost always tumultuous and when we have the the world events going on that we have it can feel even more so particularly in the western world right now where we're rarely touched personally by um, war at least in our area war and famine and disease depending on how you count covid in our own like personal worlds Uh, We're a little bit insulated and we're less insulated now that we have so much contact with the rest of the world. Uh, And many of us have never been insulated because of our ability to feel what's happening in the rest of the world. So all of that is the backdrop for this big picture, big shifting time that I talked about in my time of transition workshop, if you were there. We're in sort of a seven-year period of change between the Saturn-Pluto conjunction and the other big conjunctions of 2020, culminating with the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction at uh, December 2020. These are big 
big planetary alignments that happen very infrequently. And when they all happen at once like that, again, that's very rare, um, very rare. And then I call it the seven-year period because we have all three outer planets changing sign in this seven-year period, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, with sort of a culmination in early 2026 with the Saturn-Neptune conjunction. So all of that is astro-speak, um, but what it means is that we are essentially changing stories and we're changing stories about how we want society to operate, how we want to operate in relationship to society. And that's a lot of what Aquarius represents, the sign of Aquarius. And we've had a two and a half year period with Saturn in Aquarius and where Saturn is the sort of the reality check planet. It's the planet that brings things into form, that crystallizes themes. And so if you look back over the last two and a half years, uh, Saturn's time in Aquarius, which began in 2020, what we've seen crystallize, the issues that we've seen crystallize are things like truth. What is truth? Uh, science. What is science? And, and how is science um, used? But really, like, what is science? How do we define what science is? Because if you look in pop culture and the pop culture that says, oh, I follow the science, trust the science, there's usually not much understanding of what science really is. Uh, and particularly very little understanding of what the, the edges of the envelope are around science. So that's one of the themes that's been crystallized. Um, energy what is energy and energy not just in terms of how do we get fuel for our cars or for heating our homes or whatever it might be that's one form of energy that's the issue has been crystallized in the last couple of years but even the fact that we are all made of energy and that the entire universe is made of energy and what does that mean and what does it mean for how we live our daily lives what does it mean for energy? And probably if you're listening to this podcast, you've experienced or maybe you practice or you've at least heard of energy medicine. And that's something that's become more and more popular. And there's been an explosion in energy medicine modalities over the last couple of years, probably more than the last couple of years, but it's been at least in my face and very obvious to me for the last several years. Uh, and then the narrative is an, uh, an Aquarian thing. And that's, if you think about Aquarius, one of the fundamental characteristics of Aquarius energy is society and social patterns. It's about, it's the last air sign. So it has a lot to do with communication and how we connect with each other. And it's about ideas and ideals. Uh, air sign is where communication and sort of that intellectual connection or mental connection takes place among people. And so that's one of the other major things that sort of come to the fore. I don't ever remember people saying, using terms like the mainstream narrative before 2020. In fact, I don't really remember that word narrative 
as it applied to kind of mainstream thinking uh, or any kind of thinking before 2020. And it may have been in use. I just think it sort of came into, it crystallized right out of something that was more um, wide, wide, but not obvious. And then it became more obvious. And again, to me, that's a Saturn and Aquarius thing. And then astrology itself is under the rule of Aquarius. And the last few years have seen a real resurgence of the popularity of astrology. And I haven't done the the quantitative research, but I would guess that if you went and looked at YouTube um, or searched for astrologers and or, or astrology on any of the social media platforms or even the internet, you would find that there's a lot more, like it's been an explosion in astrologers and astrology sites and even popular magazines and popular publications speaking more about it just in the last few years. So again, those are kind of the issues that have crystallized in Aquarius and that are in a way sort of ripe for transformation. And that's what's coming up, transformation as Pluto moves into Aquarius. And that happens later, well, on Thursday, the 23rd, I think it's Thursday. So let me back up for a moment and talk about what's happening right now, this next couple of days. So the, the equinox, the spring equinox in the Northern Hemisphere, the Aries equinox happens every year around March 20th. And this year it's on, on March 20th, at least where I am. And it happens at 3.24 p.m. and I'm in the mountain time zone. So that's about 5.24 uh, uh, in the Eastern time zone. And you can find the conversion. So that's the Aries equinox is the time of year when the sun comes halfway to its highest point in the sky. Again, I'm speaking from the Northern hemisphere and you can just reverse these words if you're in the Southern hemisphere. So the sun is halfway to its highest point in the sky. Uh, we've come halfway between one solstice to another solstice. That's the equinox. And it means equal night, equal day and night, equal light. Uh, so we're at the time of year when day and night is essentially equal. Uh, and of course, that will depend a little bit on where you are, but essentially equal. And again, halfway between the sun's highest point and the sun's lowest point in the sky. And the equinox in tropical astrology is what determines the zero point of Aries. The uh, tropical astrology, even though we use the names of the constellations, the signs are actually tied to the sun's position in the sky, which is part of why astrology gets confusing for some people. That's a whole other subject. But where we are is the beginning of the, of the astrological year. Some people would consider it the beginning of the solar year. And there are different cultural ways to view that. And each of us has a preference. I actually use the December solstice for myself as the beginning of the solar year. That's just my sense of it. But a lot of people will use the Aries equinox as the beginning, not just of the astrological year when the sun moves at moves to the degree of zero degrees Aries, but also the beginning of the solar year. 
So we're at, in any case, we're at a new beginning point when we get to this equinox. The sun is just starting to come into its full strength here in my part of the world. The days are markedly longer than they were even a month or a month and a half ago. It's now we have time in the light to start doing things uh, without artificial light, which of course blurs our connection with these natural cycles but so we're in this this fresh new beginning of the sun coming to the zero degree aries point that happens every year what doesn't happen every year and what's unique to this year and this equinox is we have a new moon the very next day at the zero degree point. It's actually not quite, um, it's obviously not exactly at zero degrees, zero arc minutes, it's zero degrees and about 50 arc minutes, but it's still at that zero degree point. And so this, the new moon is when the sun and the moon come together to plant a new seed, a new monthly cycle, a new moon cycle. And that energy gets carried forward for not just that month, but the moon also has 19 year cycles. So this is something that only happens every 19 years, a new moon at zero degrees of, of, um, of sign like that. The other thing that's interesting about this new moon in Aries is that this year we get two new moons in Aries. There's another new moon in Aries at the very end of the Aries cycle. And so we, we have like this extra emphasis on Aries energy. And Aries, again, is the sign of new beginnings. A new moon is a new beginning. And this new moon at zero degrees, these zero degrees of the cardinal signs, zero Aries, zero Cancer, zero um, Libra, zero Capricorn are called world axis points. So uh, there, not only do we have kind of a new beginning in the small sense, but we have a new beginning in the big sense. And there's a few more pieces to this, it's time for something new, and it's time to really get intentional about creating a new story, a new life. There's a few more pieces to this. One is that we're also in the midst of the biggest um, shift for lack of a better word, sort of the biggest period of shifting, changing energies in this within this seven year period that I mentioned earlier. So if I think of it as a seven year period where the old is breaking down and the new is coming into form. And then I think about 2023 as the midpoint of that change cycle. And then within that March of 2023 is the turning point, we're at the turning point. And so we've got the, the equinox happens every year, but then we have the new moon at the equinox point, doesn't happen every year, doesn't happen very often at all. And then we have Saturn has just moved, one of the slowest moving planets and the slowest visible planet has just shifted out of Aquarius into Pisces. And that was on March 7th. So that's a new beginning, a new energy that comes every 29 years, that's Saturn cycle. And then we also, this week, have one of the biggest shifts of planetary energies, and that's Pluto 
the slowest moving planet, and again, you can we can all split hairs about whether we call it a planet or not, but astrologers still typically view it as a planet because it has it carries a lot of meaning. And yeah, any rate, I'm not going to go into all of that. But so Pluto, the slowest moving planet, has a 248 year cycle. And it's shifting from Capricorn, one of Saturn's signs, into Aquarius, another of Saturn's signs, this Thursday, March 23rd. So that only happens every 248 years. Now, it's not going to be in Aquarius for very long. It will dip back into Capricorn in June and then come back into Aquarius uh, two more times before it's there to stay again by 2026. I think it actually finishes that back and forth travel in late 2025. But we'll get a taste of what Pluto in Aquarius means starting this year, starting in the next few days and for the next few months. And I would say that we're already getting a taste of that. Um, and I'll come back to that in a moment. I'll come back to that Pluto and Aquarius shift. One more sign change, one more planet changing signs this week is Mars, which normally changes signs fairly quickly and more and like within, I think it only spends about six weeks in a sign generally because it has about a two year uh, period through which it goes through the Zodiac. Um, but the reason that it's more remarkable than usual is because Mars has been in the sign of Gemini for since August. So like six months, right? Isn't that about six months? Because it has a very rare retrograde period, the rarest of all the planets retrograde, meaning appearing to go backwards in the sky. And so it's been moving forwards and backwards in Gemini since August and went retrograde in October and then went direct again in January, meaning it has spent a very long time in one part of the sky. And there's a whole lot to say, and we have said between me and my often frequent guest, Emily Trinkus, we've talked a lot about Mars and Gemini uh, over the last few months. The it's It has to do with one of the meanings of Mars and Gemini and Mars retrograde in Gemini is rethinking old stories and uh, rethinking the way we tell things and rethinking how we get information and rethinking how we think, really. Um, that's a Mars retrograde in Gemini. So all in all, this week is this big transition period. This month is an even bigger transition period with Saturn moving into a new sign. And then the the new moon at the equinox, and then Pluto switching sign, and then Mars switching sign, we have this huge shift in energy right now, right this week, right in the last couple of weeks. And I think a lot of us are feeling it because it feels very unsettling. There are other things going on that can contribute to that unsettling, but there's also, again, in my world, kind of a sense of possibility, a sense of maybe some of the things that we see as most destructive in our world, finally beginning that last breakdown uh, in, in sort of like getting out of the way of what's ready to be born, a new story that's ready to be born. 
And as I said, I've come back to this Pluto in Aquarius, the biggest, um, the biggest shift, the arguably the biggest shift is Pluto, the slowest moving planet moving into the sign of Aquarius just after, within two weeks of, of Saturn leaving that sign. So, so when I start thinking about these big timing events, there's um, there's a poetry, as one of my colleagues says, there's a poetry to it, or a, uh, it's like this dance with very choreographed moves. We can, and I think I've talked about that in some of my uh, more recent podcasts. But in this particular case, I just find it fascinating that Saturn leaves before Pluto comes in. They're not in the sign together. And they were in the sign of Capricorn together for a long time and off and on throughout 2020. And what did we see when Pluto and Capricorn were in the sign of, or Pluto and Saturn were in Saturn's sign of Capricorn together? We saw a lot of upheaval in power structures. So anyway, so where we are now is Saturn's left, but it has crystallize those issues and those areas that are now ripe for what Pluto does. And what Pluto does, uh, everybody uses the word transformation for Pluto, but that's kind of a pretty word for what the process actually looks like. And anybody that's been through a personal Pluto transit knows that that transformation process can be rather um, like making sausage would be a good example because you have to grind up the meat and and pull everything together and then you make the sausage. And so when Pluto comes into a sign and we're talking about a 20 year period with Pluto and Aquarius once it gets in there for full time, but it's a it's almost like a remake and a rebirth and a breaking down and recreation of the meaning of all the things pertaining to that sign uh, in general. And an example, of course, we can look back at these last, uh, since been, since 20, 2008 is when Pluto went into Capricorn. And there've been a lot of like structures and institutions and even governmental institutions. And our, our definition of power itself has, I believe, begun to transform since 2008, and particularly in how we deal with government structures, how we look at uh, financial structures. And the clearest examples, and then I'll talk a little bit more about power itself, but some of the clear examples of Pluto's work in a sign uh, have come both this week and also in 2008. If you remember, 2008 was when we had the banking crisis. We had the biggest bank failure in U.S. history. And that was, I think it was, was it Wells Fargo? I can't remember which bank it was, but we had the biggest bank failure. And if you remember, there were a lot of bank bailouts at that time frame. Well, that was just as Pluto entered Capricorn. And one of Capricorn's delineations is the banking industry, institutions and finance. So now here we are with Pluto at the very, very last degree, last degree, last few arc minutes of Capricorn, getting ready to dip its toe into Aquarius. 
And we've had the second biggest bank failure in the U.S., in the history of the U.S., just this week, just at this time, as Pluto's getting ready to move on Thursday into the next sign. And what's interesting, and I put this in my last newsletter, because as I was kind of thinking about, well, what does this mean? What, what, what more can we say about this? What I find interesting is that the bank failures of 2008 were directly tied to the housing markets and the financial instruments that people use to package up mortgages. And housing, if you remember, that was in a big boom up until 2008, and people were lending. Um, there was such a push to get people into home ownership that the lending criteria got very fast and loose. And I was actually working in the building industry at the time, and I remember it because it was a huge boom for the building industry. So what are we talking about there? We're talking about earth realm things. The earth realm rules, Capricorn's an earth sign. That's why I'm talking about the earth realm. And we were still in uh, a period where material earth realm things were sort of in, in their heyday, let's say. And so the failure of the bank at that point was in, tied specifically to investments in the earth realm, housing, something very solid structure. Interestingly enough, this week's bank failure that it's beginning to take down other um, banks as well, because as you know, this sort of crisis of confidence in a banking inst institution is what sort of precedes these financial crises. It's a fear. It's a crisis of fear in the end. Um, but in this particular case, rather than being tied to the housing market, the bank failure was tied to the tech market. These were investments in the tech market. And I don't know, I, I don't have the insider's view that I had in 2008. So I don't know. Um, there was clearly a lot of risk. Um, whether it was the level of crazy risk and then repackaging and the stuff that went on in the housing market, I don't know. But I do know that this particular crisis is tied to the tech market. So technology, which I didn't mention when I was talking about Aquarius themes, and I should have because that's right at the top of the list of themes of technology, science and technology, that's an Aquarius theme. So now we have the first and hopefully not the hopefully not the beginning of a lot, but here we have a huge bank failure that's tied to a very Aquarian theme, just as Pluto ends its time in the sign of banking institutions and begins its time in the sign of technology and science and information. And so let me come back to what I was saying. And I, I will be teaching an entire workshop on this topic on Monday. Um, and I will put a link here in the podcast episode notes in case anybody wants to sign up for it. Uh, because I'm teaching an entire workshop on this what I'm calling the transformation of humanity itself as Pluto moves into Aquarius. And I'll talk a little bit more about the humanity piece if I have time today, but just know that if you're really interested and you want to commit a little bit of money to it, you can join me on Monday or get the recording. 
Um, so at any rate, what I wanted to say is that all those themes that I mentioned that Saturn has crystallized in the sign of Aquarius are now up for this death and rebirth. And the, the bank failures are one examples of how the old dies and the new is reborn. So one of the births that's happened out of Pluto transforming financial institutions, as we all know, is cryptocurrency. And I, I, I know very little about it, so I can't speak about it intelligently, except to say that it's happened, it's grown phenomenally. It's had its own recent, especially sort of um, turmoil and that's probably one of the areas that's ripe for more transformation as Pluto comes into Aquarius, because again, that's a tech-related thing. So let me just talk very briefly about Pluto itself, because Pluto, uh, again, the, the word that's most often used with Pluto is transformation, and as I say, that's sort of a pretty word for a uh, process that includes a death and a rebirth. And Pluto's essentially about power, true power. Pluto's the Lord of the underworld or goddess of the underworld. There are both feminine and masculine figures in history. And in fact, the, the myth of Inanna, um, the earliest written myth, the Sumerian, ancient Sumerian myth of Inanna, uh, her sister Erishkigal is the Pluto figure in in that myth and uh, inanna herself is the venus figure so it's about the venus and pluto um it's sort of about P venus and pluto although it wouldn't have been called pluto in those days probably but it's also about the descent into the underworld and the rebirth and the descent is and the reason i talk about it in relationship to power is that that is one of the um delineations of Pluto was power. But when we talk about power, we don't always mean the same thing, right? That is one of those general words that um, in our dominator culture carries a lot of baggage. And Pluto, one of the things that Pluto does from my perspective is it, it shows us what real power is. And real power is not positional. It is not based on your position, but we still tend to think it is, right? We still tend to think that the government has power over the people, even in the US where we are specifically, theoretically and specifically set up to be governed by the people through the government. So the government governs at the leisure of the people, but we've forgotten that. And a lot of us think of government as what holds power. And Pluto's time in Capricorn, that's maybe one thing that has started to shift. That's part of the transformation. And then even the definition of power itself is what Pluto has been transforming, particularly in Capricorn. So one of the things that we might think about with Pluto moving into Aquarius is yes, it's going to transform and sort of break down the old in preparation for the new in all those areas, technology, science, astrology itself, um, social patterns, information and information technology, uh, and then even how we relate perhaps to the patterns and rhythms of nature. I would love to see that transform. 
um, but at any rate, so back to Pluto, that's the other kind of piece about Pluto and power is that in this dominator culture, we tend to think of power as power over and we equate it with control. And that's one of the things that Pluto breaks down is control structures, whether they're your own personal con control structures, all the way you try, all the ways you try to control your experience, all the ways you try to have control over your life. Pluto transits break those down entirely. And then they show you that your true power comes from your essence, your frequency. Uh, I was just looking at a blog post from Pam Gregory, the astrologer Pam Gregory, and I think she said it that, uh, and I don't remember if she used the word power, but that your power comes from your expressing your unique frequency. And if you've been following my Saturn work, you know, that's a lot of what I've been saying about Saturn is that it is the gatekeeper to your true authentic self, your soul. It's your soul's gatekeeper. And when you're in alignment with the soul, with your soul and in alignment with the soul of the world, that's where your power comes from. And that's where you have the most power to create, co-create the world you want. So, um, so I want to end, I want to end with uh, a couple of thoughts about that in particular. And, and, and this is sort of, maybe I've ended the last many episodes of the uh, podcast with the similar kind of sentiment is that your ability to thrive in this time of transition is coming down to your ability to tap into your own essence, your own essential power, your own frequency, your own unique frequency and express from there and do it in co-creation, cooperation with the rest of the world. And that means everything from the physical objects around you to the people around you, to the planets, to nature. And uh, the, the whole point of the Natural Wisdom Podcast, of course, is to point you back over and over and over and over to your own natural wisdom, which comes from the cosmos. It comes from nature. You, you are, we each are a hologram of the whole. And so when we get really tuned in to our bodies, we become very embodied when we kind of get really tuned into our own souls and how that they're each, the body is the material expression of the frequency of the soul. And when we can really tap into that, the sense of it, not just the, the idea of it, not just the ideal of it, not just the, um, the, the conception of it, but when we can tap into it in a felt way, an energetically felt way, a physically felt way, that's when we can best navigate these waters of change. And it's it takes a lot of tea programming sometimes to get there. Or I saw the word today as a de-schooling because it's not what we've been taught, right? We've been taught the opposite. We've been taught to plug into out there for truth when now it is definitely time to plug in here for truth. Um, and I, 
I've said a lot about this before in earlier episodes. I've said a lot about this in my time of transition workshop. I'll be saying more about this in my Pluto and Aquarius workshop. And I'm sure I'll be saying more about this in the podcast in weeks to come. So I'm going to wrap up there and wish you a happy and very powerful Aries new moon on Monday and a powerful um, equinox tomorrow and invite you to spend some real quality time in some sort of contemplation or meditation of what you truly desire. That's a Aries. That's an Aries thing, right? Desire yourself, like what you as an individual really want to see in the world and invite you to set some kind of very strong intention at this new moon to be what you want to be, be, be who you really are and be what you want to see in the world, because it's only through your efforts as an individual that our world as a collective is going to shift. All right. So thank you very much for being here um, for, for the Natural Wisdom Podcast. And I'd love to see some of you on Monday evening uh, in the Pluto and Aquarius workshop. And it's also available by recording. And so if you can't make it live, you'd get the recording. And I uh, hope to see you or hear from you in any other way. And you can always shoot me a note through my website. If you go to christinebacchus.com and you're, you want to just send me a note, tell me what you think of the podcast or what you, what else you'd like to hear me talk about on the podcast, or if you have ideas for guests, uh, you can shoot me a note through the website is probably the easiest way to get to me. And I'd love to hear from you. I do respond to all emails personally, because I still can do that. I don't get that kind of volume. And that's what I hope to be able to continue to do for a long time. So feel free to reach out. I love hearing from people. Uh, even occasionally when they're complaining to me about some weird tech glitch that I have, which I think I've talked about. So, all right. Happy Aries new moon, happy equinox, happy Pluto and Aquarius. And I hope you are dreaming big and co-creating with reality with Saturn and Pisces. <laughs>